This episode of Christmas Past discusses Santa Claus in a way that younger listeners just wouldn't appreciate. So, grown-ups, please enjoy this one on your own, and thanks. I'm looking at an old photograph. The square kind with the rounded edges and that linen texture finish and the dull orangey and red sheen on all photos from the 1970s. In the picture is Santa Claus sitting on a throne-like chair. Twinkling lights and light-up candy cane poles in the background periphery and sitting in his lap a boy of about two or three in a puffy blue winter jacket and mittens dangling from the sleeves by a tether. And on his face a look of utter pain and anguish. The photo apparently snapped mid-scream. That child was me, sitting on Santa's lap at a department store in Brockton, Massachusetts, and following in that grand tradition of waiting in line to sit on Santa's lap and then freaking the heck out when the moment of truth arrived. But more than that, taking part in a tradition that traces back to that very city of Brockton, Massachusetts. Famously, the home of boxing greats like Rocky Marciano and Marvin Hagler, the first electrically operated fire station in the country, and in 1890, at Edgar's department store, the first ever department store Santa Claus. Nowadays, in shopping malls and department stores and stores of all kind all across the country, children can line up for a chance to sit in Santa's lap, tell him what they want for Christmas, and have a photo taken of the man himself. It's such a common sight and a rite of passage for anyone who grew up celebrating Christmas that it's almost hard to imagine there was ever a time without it. But this is more than just a story about the intersection of Christmas and commerce. It's also an important and widely underappreciated event in the ever-evolving legend of Santa Claus. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. Let's clear one thing up right now. There is actually a little bit of controversy over who can claim ownership of the idea of the department store Santa Claus. A Philadelphia newspaper reported in 1841 that the J.W. Parkinson department store hired a man to slide down its chimney on Christmas Day. And that store and others in the Philadelphia area would describe themselves in their advertising as Kris Kringle headquarters. But there's a big difference between a Christmas Day publicity stunt and a visit from Santa Claus who actually interacted with children in the store. While the argument may never be truly laid to rest, the broad consensus is that Santa Claus made his first in-store appearance at Edgar's in Brockton in 1890. And he was portrayed by the store's owner, James Edgar. He was uh, a big retailer and he was quite a character. That's John Marion with the Brockton Historical Society. The thing about James Edgar was he was a showman, an entertainer, and what he used to do is dress up in different costumes throughout the year and entertain the children. He just, uh, he was all about the kids. So in 1890, Edgar went to Boston and commissioned a tailor to make a new costume to add to his repertoire. And dressed as Santa, he would entertain the children of shoppers at his store. And soon, trains brought families in from Boston and Providence to see Santa. In the last season of the show, I looked at the evolution of Santa Claus, beginning from his early days as St. Nicholas in what's now Turkey. By the 19th century, most people's image of Santa Claus came from the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, published in 1823. 
in the illustrations of Thomas Nast starting in the 1860s and continuing for about 30 years. Sometime around mid-century, children started to write letters to Santa Claus. But the idea of meeting Santa Claus, of having access to the man, to see him in the flesh, to sit on his lap and hear what ho-ho-ho really sounds like, and actually see his belly shake when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly, that was all new in 1890. And it would forever change how children thought of Santa. And in James Edgar's case, it seems that his intentions were pure. Edgar had no commercialization within the spirit of what he was doing when he was dressing up as Santa. It was legitimately to make these children happy. And it had nothing to do with giving them toys or anything. The children had such a great relationship with him. Um, on Saturdays, he used to stand on the roof of his uh, store and throw pennies down to the children. He would throw pennies over the roof onto the street for the children. This was like a gathering spot. His store was destination for the kids. It's been quoted for him to say, if, if, if Santa loved children so much, why is it that he lives so far away? I made it such that he could, so Santa could be with the children every day. He even had a suit made for the store manager so that they could work in shifts, taking turns to make sure that Santa was always available for any children visiting the store. Of course, it didn't take long for other stores to catch wise and use visits from St. Nick to attract customers and even hawk merchandise, just like in Miracle on 34th Street, which of course took place at Macy's. And it's sometimes claimed that Macy's was the home of the first department store Santa. Macy's historian uh, said that absolutely there was no Santa Claus in their store in the 1870s and that the whole story of James Edgar and the first department store Santa did indeed start in Brockton, Massachusetts. And it was R.H. Macy, who was originally from Haverhill, Mass., that stole the idea from Edgar. And with Santa in such high demand at Christmas time, retailers, of course, need a talent pool to hire from. <laughs> Merry Christmas, boys and girls. <laughs> that was... Well, Santa Claus, who also sometimes goes by the name of Tom Valent, and he's the current director of the Charles W. Howard Santa Claus School, along with his wife, Holly. And yes, her name really is Holly. It's the oldest continually operating school of its kind in the world. Since 1937, the school has been training aspiring Santas on the finer points of becoming the jolly old elf. Santa has to be a man of pure mind and pure thoughts, and he can't flirt with the ladies. He can't say off-colored jokes. He has to be this pure man that's going to stand in front of the store's customers or clients. And uh, he's a character that stands for all good things. So we really stress that Santa does have uh, all that purity that's needed to be a good Santa. The school's founder, Charles Howard, is part of department store Santa lore in his own right. Charlie was Macy's Day Parade Santa was the technical director for Santa Claus on the original Miracle on 34th Street. Every year, the school attracts hundreds of people from all over the world, all shapes and sizes and colors, for their three-day immersive training. They learn everything from the history of Santa, tips on the perfect Santa beard and outfit. There's even some physical training. Lady comes in and show them how to do stretches. Now that's fun, watching these 300-pounders on the floor trying to stretch. And of course, how to master that famous laugh. And it's a belly laugh. It comes from deep within your belly, you know. Oh, 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 And it's a laugh. And you can have fun with it. And it makes people smile. And there are other schools doing the same thing. 
because during the Christmas season, more than 10,000 people in America will work as professional Santas in malls, stores, hospitals, and elsewhere. That's a lot of Christmas cheer to go around, and a lot of pictures taken of children sitting in Santa's lap, in which, hopefully, they won't be screaming like I was. Now, of course, as I got older, I went from being afraid of sitting in Santa's lap to wanting nothing more than to see the man in action. You know those lyrics, every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. Every kid wants to stay up to sneak a peek at Santa. But what do you do if you happen to be at church when Santa is out making his run? Well, that's a problem that Daniel in California encountered growing up. From 1987 to 1994, my family went to a Polish Christmas Midnight Mass at St. Stanislaus Church in Rochester, New York. We took my grandmother, Babcia, which is more or less Polish for grandma, although I always called her Big B, and we took her there. It was her parish, and we had just a lovely time every time we went. There was a procession of children who would go down the aisle in nativity outfits and sort of native Polish garb. They had the whole place decked out with lights and all sorts of Christmas trimming. I always had one problem, though, with Midnight Mass, and that is that I've been a firm believer in Santa all my life, still have. And on Christmas, you've got an obligation to go to church. You also have an obligation to Santa. Get to bed before midnight. So what do you do? It's a moral conundrum for a kid. Someone at St. Stanislaus Church must have realized there were kids there like me because their Polish Christmas Midnight Mass began at 10 p.m. It was done by 11. We were home in bed by 11.30. Christmas is saved. Thank you, St. Stans. Merry Christmas, everyone. Daniel is a writer and the host of many podcasts, including the Eventually Super Train podcast. You can find that on iTunes and follow Daniel on Twitter at eSuperTrain1. So now it's your turn. Do you remember the first time you met Santa? Do you have any embarrassing photos of yourself as a child sitting in his lap? Do you have children of your own? And are you excited to take them to meet Santa this year? I want to hear about that and I want to share it too. So all you have to do is record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspasspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you don't want to share a memory, you can use that email address to just write me and say hi. Let me know how your Christmas season's going. I'd love to hear from you, and I do respond to every message I get. Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks to John Marion, Tom Valent, and Daniel in California. And of course, thank you for listening. You can follow along on social media by looking for Christmas Past Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find more information about the show at christmaspastpodcast.com. If you like the show, I'd love it if you could take a moment to tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes. That would be like a little Christmas gift for me, because it really helps the show out a lot. I hope you're having a great Christmas season so far, and I would love it if you would join me again next time for more stories from Christmas Past.